You're listening to The Collective Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.co.za. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to jump right in and start at Acts 16, verse 22 to 34. And I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Thank you, Jane Whittle. Um, there's a context to the scripture. A slave girl has just been um, set free. She was demonically possessed, the Bible tells us, and her owners were getting a good profit out of her fortune-telling. Paul and Silas happened to be preaching in the same city where she is held, and after being in that city for days, they um, get a little annoyed because she's harassing them. She screams and shouts every time she sees them that they are servants of the Most High God and that they are there to bring about salvation. Um, it's interesting, if you are in our home group, we've had discussions around Mark recently and we've chatted about how um, even though the demonic sometimes will spew truth, um, Jesus always shut it down because um, it was still false witness. Um, anyway, Paul actually in annoyance delivers her. He tells what is possessing her to come out and she's set free. And this causes an enormous commotion in the area. Um, her slave owners are upset because now their profit is gone. She's no longer going to be fortune telling. And a mob begins to beat Paul and Silas for doing this. And they're brought before the chief magistrate and um, they're stripped and they're flogged and they're beaten. I did have to wonder um, while I was preparing this, if that had happened in 2020, there would be a viral video around the injustice of the beating of Paul and Silas for setting a slave girl free. Not unlike the viral video of George Floyd that has gone around the world this week that has touched our world and our lives and our heart. It is deeply heartbreaking, and it's not okay. I fall short in these conversations, and I want to learn, and I want to grow, and I want wisdom. As a leader, I raise my voice and join in the voices that are crying out for justice and for peace and for an end to racism and for an end to the hatred of any group of people. May our church be a safe place for people of every race, every tribe, and every tongue. And may we all begin to listen more, learn, grow, and adjust in the face of such anti-Jesus events. God, please help us. Anyway, Acts 16, verse 22 to 34, if you want to read with me. The crowd also joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and ordered that Paul and Silas be beaten with rods. After striking them with rods many times, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. He, having received such a strict command, threw them into the inner prison, the dungeon, and fastened their feet, their feet into the stocks in an agonizing position. But at about midnight, park that in your brain for later, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise and thanks to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, 
Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so powerful that the foundations of the prison were shaken and all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer, shaken out of sleep, saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and about to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, saying, Do not hurt yourself, we are all here. Then the jailer called for torches and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out of the inner prison, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they answered, Believe in the Lord as your personal savior, and trust yourself to him, and you will be saved, you and your entire household, if they believe too. And they spoke the word of the Lord concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ to him and all who were in his house. And he took them at that very hour of the night and he washed their bloody wounds. And immediately he was baptized and so was his household. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly since he had believed in God with his entire family, accepting with joy what had been known to them about Christ. The title of my preach today is the Get Out of Jail Free Card. I want to pray first. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for every person listening now and later. I thank you that you are well acquainted with each one's heart and circumstances. You are not aloof. You are not afar. You are love, and love is always involved in our lives. There's nothing going on in the world today, Lord, that you are shocked at or taken by surprise at. Nothing caught you off guard. Lord, will you use my words today to touch hearts and lives and to draw people into your presence in a way that can only be accredited to you and what you do in our lives. I pray that supernaturally you would bring understanding and revelation way beyond this message and beyond this preach. Where we are fearful and anxious, would you grant us your peace. Where we are feeling alone, your presence. And where we are stuck, Lord, may I be so bold as to ask that you would use what I share today like a key to unlock a heavenly treasure chest of hope in every heart. In your name, Jesus. Amen. My um, nine-year-old Sam loves to play Monopoly with me, and it's a fun game, but you've got to be in it for the long haul. <laughs> it's not a short game. Um, and Sam and I are quite similar in that we are both risk-takey and adventurous in our pursuit to quickly acquire the high-priced property. Um, we've also tweaked the rules of late and spiced up the game, also very much like Sam and I, and not like my husband Ro, if you know him. Um, so this is how we've tweaked, tweaked the rules. If you are the banker, you get to randomly deposit um, undefined sums of money into the center of the board, the free parking area, at any time which makes the stakes super high when you land on free parking or you get the free parking card. So if you play with us, there's two cards that you want. You want the, the, the free parking card um, and you want the get out of jail free card because the get out of jail free card means that instead of spending three long rounds while your opponent circles the board stuck in jail, um, you get to get out of jail without an issue. I tell you the story about Monopoly in our house because in this week, um, contemplating the idea and the practice of thanksgiving, of giving thanks, of gratitude, I felt this analogy unfold. 
When we don't give thanks, we make little prisons for ourselves. And thankfulness is like the get-out-of-jail-free card. With every act of thanksgiving, we are freed up more and more. We are renewed in our hearts and in our minds. Um, we are transformed, the Amplified says, and progressively changed. I think the message also says it's be it beautifully in Romans 12, that instead of um, looking so much like the culture around us, we're completely transformed by God. I thought about it like this. If the circumstances of life um, are like houses, then gratitude and thanksgiving are both the foundations and the windows. Gratitude and thanksgiving opens our eyes, lets the light in, brings fresh air and perspective to the stuffy places and situations in our lives. Thanksgiving gives us a true perspective on the Father. It grounds us and roots us in the reality of Jesus and the good news and pulls us into the now. And in the now, there's Holy Spirit fellowship. And we need that restoration and that renewal every single day of our lives. Which is why I believe that from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, we are commanded to give thanks. There's a reason why Joshua is told to take the memorial stones, take stones out of the river where the Israelites crossed over into the promised land and keep those. Keep those in your home so that when your children ask, what are those? You can say, oh, let me tell you about that time that the Lord came through for us. And it builds this conversation point. It builds um, a connection point for us with our family and with our friends to tell the stories of where God breaks through. Because in Revelation, it also says that um, there's the spirit of Jesus is in prophecy. He, he wants to do it again. So when I tell you something that the Lord has done in my life, it, it opens up a space for you to believe that he can do the same in yours. So, so God commands us in the Bible from beginning to end to give thanks and to develop thankfulness like a muscle so that we would default to it, so that it becomes our positioning and our posture. Because when thankfulness is our positioning and our posture, we stand in an always receiving position instead of he's not enough and I'm not enough. It moves us into, I see him everywhere. He's at work all over my life. And I acknowledge that everything in life is a gift from him. Everything is grace. Billy Graham said something so profound. He said, nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. And nothing will do more to restore contentment and the joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness. I think an ungrateful heart grows colder and colder to the Lord and a fire goes out because we become indifferent to his love and to his mercy. We lose our dependence on him. We have to learn to give thanks for the little things every day because without giving thanks for the little, we won't give thanks for the big things. And that is a learning to train our eyes and our hearts to see him in everything. Henry Nouwen is one of my favorites. Um, he says, the choice for gratitude rarely comes without some real effort. But each time I make it, the next choice is a little easier and a little freer and a little less self-conscious. Because every gift I acknowledge reveals another and another until finally even the most normal, 
obvious and seemingly mundane event or encounter, encounter proves to be filled with grace. I love that we have cultivated um, a spirit of of gratitude and thankfulness in our home with our children. We have to teach them to be thankful. We say, say thank you, say thank you, say thank you, say thank you. And they learn. And eventually one day they start popping out these thank yous without you having to tell them. It's beautiful. And we have to teach them that because otherwise they default to entitlement. And we are the same. We have to be taught and we have to be reminded to give thanks. It's not uncommon in our house to um, cut a grapefruit open and hear Ruby go, oh, thank you, Lord, I love grapefruit. Um, because we've taught them to appreciate that the smell of a grapefruit, the taste of a grapefruit's a gift. Walking outside, oh my gosh, guys, look what a beautiful day it is. Thank you, Lord. And this has become something that actually just flows out of us. And, and that's something I'm so grateful for. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we are told that it is God's will for us in Christ that in everything we would give thanks. And in Ephesians, Paul says that being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like something. And interestingly, he doesn't explain some ecstatic, miraculous experience. He says this. He says it points to thankfulness. He says, be filled with the Spirit, constantly guided by him, Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise by singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Now that was penned by the same man who we read about earlier in Acts, who was stripped, who was flogged, who was beaten, who was chained up in a dungeon for releasing a slave girl. If a person ever wanted to have the right to complain, he would have had it. But what happens instead? We find him praising and giving thanks and praying. How and why? First, let me say that thanksgiving and gratitude is not denialism. It's not living in la-la land. It's not denying your feelings. Your feelings are beautiful signposts that point you to the places where you need Jesus in your life. But this is what happens when that which is within you pales in significance to that which is coming against you. Which is why when your feet are fastened in a chain and you're bleeding and you're locked up, you can be found singing and praising. Graham Cook says... God has scheduled our growing up places, so we better just expect them, and we better rejoice in them, and again I say rejoice in them, and give thanks. He's funny. He says, you don't even have to mean it, just do it. <laughs> he adds that if you want to get on in your relationship with God, you cannot be casual about giving thanks, and delight is a key. You have to work on that. He goes on to say, Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what I'm learning. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you love me enough to change me. Thank you that you love me enough to change my heart and my perspectives. And you give thanks until you become thanks. That moment that you can't thank him enough, you are blessing him. And he loves those moments. You aren't play acting anymore. You're in character, the role that he assigned to you. That is identity and destiny. It's about growing up in Jesus. This is not a once a year turkey on the table moment. 
This is cultivated over a lifetime. And I love a full house and a turkey on the table and joining in with our American friends celebrating Thanksgiving. It's a thing, we do it. But we don't wait until November every year to do that. Daily giving thanks and practicing gratitude is like gardening. Leave it for a season and watch the weeds pop up and take over. Watch the dead wood gather. Watch the soil grow bad and watch some stuff not grow. If you've ever had the privilege of being in that, this precious couple, Jane and John Whittle's garden, um, you know how beautiful it is. Um, Jane and John are this couple in our community who have tended to their, their garden and their, in their yard so beautifully. And Jane and John will tell you that sometimes they spend up to three hours a day working in that garden. And it made me think that nothing looks that beautiful without tending to it. The spiritual work of gratitude and thanksgiving is so rewarding. And I love what happens in Acts 16, that scripture that we read. It's so practical. I like practical. Let me say to you this. If your faith in Jesus and your love for Jesus is not working its way practically out into every area of your life, we need to think about that. Because if it's not, it's probably stuck here and it needs to come here to the heart, needs to move from the head to the heart. So back to Acts 16, I love this. It says, around midnight, when they were praying and giving thanks and praises and the other prisoners were listening. Two things stick out for me here. The first thing is, what is coming out of us? What is coming out of our mouths and our lives right now? If you were to overhear um, my life, for a week, um, if I was to overhear yours and we weren't aware of listening to each other, what, what would we hear? Would there be a freedom song that others want to join in? Or would it be noisy and hard to find Jesus and rest in? That's the first thing. The second thing about midnight is what happened before midnight. These guys had been beaten for nothing. They had been stripped, humiliated, and chained. And later in the text, we hear that their wounds were bloody. I wonder if in the build-up to midnight, they were licking those wounds, moaning about the pain and the discomfort, the injustice. I wonder if they were angry. And I want to say it's okay. Sometimes we have to move through that stuff. But please, let's get to midnight. Let's get to prayer. Let's get to praise. Let's get to thanksgiving. Do not land yourself in those unhelpful places all the time. Go and land yourself in those places of thanksgiving, prayer, and praise. Um, I'm going to go off the page for a second. I'm reminded of a moment where we, Roe and I, went to Sudan in 2006 on a, on a mission trip. And we became aware that there wasn't a runway in Sudan when the, where the plane would land. There was just a piece of ground, and you hoped <laughs> that the pilot picked the right piece of ground to land on, and that the ground in Sudan was like clay, which would make it hard to land a plane. And I think so often in our lives, we're landing in places where there's no runway, where there's no solid ground. And we need to land the, 
confusion, the disappointments of our lives, the heartache, because it's real. We need to learn to land those on solid ground. What is solid ground? The good news of Jesus is the solidest ground we can ever land on. So at midnight, there's this eruption of praise and prayer that results in an earthquake. Um, we behold what we become, and we give power to that which we focus on. And it's so important to learn to disempower our disappointments. There's an invitation in the scripture to leave the dungeons of our hearts and our minds and to fix our eyes on things above. That's from Colossians 3. Colossians is like this manual for Christian living. That scripture ends in whatever you do, give thanks. Why? <laughs> Psalm 100, we enter his gates with a song of thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. We are thankful to him. We bless him and praise his name for he is good. Thanksgiving and praise go hand in hand and thankfulness is a door to God's presence. Paul and Silas had their feet in chains and their bodies behind bars, but their heart and their souls were anchored somewhere else in the throne room of grace with Jesus seated in heaven. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, without fear, so that we may receive mercy and find him and find his grace to help in the time of need. You know what I love? I love that song, The Blessing. We're going to sing it later. It's got something like 15 million views on YouTube, and I saw Selena Gomez covered it the other day on Instagram, and it got another 9 million views. Um, and I, I found it so fascinating and beautiful that it was released just before this demonic COVID storm hit our world. That song is straight up out of Numbers 6. Verse 22, it is Aaron's blessing, the priestly blessing that the Lord gives him to speak out over the Israelites, over God's people. God says to Aaron, the high priest and his sons, say this, this is the way I want you to bless the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his face upon you and give you peace. I was reading, oh, and, and the end of that scripture is so beautiful. It says, um, Aaron and his sons will put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. And I was reading um, Spurgeon on that scripture. And the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is wrapped up in that blessing. The blessing of the Father is that he protects us, sustains us, and guards us. The Lord bless you. And the, 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 may he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That's the blessing of the Son. That's the blessing of Jesus. And may the Lord lift his face to shine upon you with divine approval and give you peace. That is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit right there. And that his name is upon us. Anyone who has the name of the Lord upon him is blessed. It's simple. And this is what the Lord wanted, um, how the Lord wanted the priest to bless the people. Under the new covenant, Jesus is our high priest, and that blessing is what he speaks out over us every day. And we are the priesthood of all believers. So this is our song over the whole world and over each other right now. In the midst of all this chaos, that song has risen up. Singapore, poor, I saw a 
100 people singing it there. It popped out. Africa sings it. The UK sings it. The UK blessing. It's beautiful. Guys, we don't have to be ones begging for a blessing. We are the blessing. We have been made the blessing in Christ Jesus. So now we release that blessing wherever we go. Don't get a, an orphan mindset begging for a blessing. You've been given every blessing in Jesus. You sing and you praise and you give thanks when you feel trapped, when you're in prison, when you are uncomfortable, when it hurts, when it's hard, before midnight in anticipation for the midnight moments, the suddenlies where only God can break into a situation and a circumstance like only he can. Thanksgiving literally always comes before the miracle. These guys used their get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> they got their thankful on. And everyone else who was in chains had their prison doors open, and that which held them was released. They were the blessing. They released the blessing. And they got the bonus um, free parking cash too, the gift of standing in the way and stopping someone from killing themselves. I don't know about you, but that excites me so much. That jailer was part of the flogging and the beating, and he was responsible for tightening their feet in that agonizing position. And when he wakes up and he sees all the prisoners out of the cells, he knows that his fate by the chief magistrate is going to be death. And in desperation, his only option looks like he has to take his life. And Paul, the man that he was responsible for being a part of beating, stops him. That is supernatural. And that man goes from fearing man, fearing the magistrates, fearing what would come at him, to fearing God. He drops, what can I do to be saved? Who is this God that opens prison doors? Who is this God that softens the hearts of the men that I beat and the men that I hurt to reach out to me and take the sword out of my hand so that I don't kill myself and offer me the joy of Jesus instead? That man held a sword to his own throat in the early hours of the morning, but he goes home to his family later that day. That man who chained up Paul and Silas's feet earlier later washes those very wounds that he caused and was responsible for. And in the same veins, Paul's hands, which probably in his humanity wanted to punch that guy in the face earlier when he was getting his feet fastened, are the same hands that stop him from slitting his throat and that later baptize him and his whole family. How stunning. Scripture tells us that that whole family comes to true joy and to eternal life because that dad or that husband or that son, we don't know, was humble enough to know when he needed God more than anything else. Suicide or give God a try. I think that there are so many people in those man's shoes right now, and we get to have these lives that are full of get-out-of-jail-free cards. Please go and dish them out. <laughs> Jesus came to set the captives free, Isaiah 61. His spirit is on us to share the good news, to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell captives that they are free, to announce his grace, announce his grace in 2020, scandalous, to comfort those who are mourning, Hashtag Black Lives Matter, comfort those who are mourning. Those who feel crushed, give them a bunch of roses instead of ashes, the oil of bliss instead of tears, and a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. 
I spoke about the river of God a few weeks back, that we literally are these mighty oaks planted by that river, displaying his glory, rebuilding all that was lost, recovering the magnificence. Why? Because that's what priests do. <laughs> that's what servants of God do. So much has been lost in the world right now. There's never been a time to a better time to recover the magnificence of what it means to be a child of God. And guys, there are unanswered questions. The Bible is messy. For me, in that scripture, the unanswered questions are like, what happened to the slave girl? We never hear about her again. Um, what happened in those hours before midnight? There's, what happened to the, the people who were, who were abusing that girl? There's unanswered questions. Make space in your life for unanswered questions. Make space in your life for mystery. Because God is way bigger than we can fathom. So I think Paul and Silas left that city knowing that they were a blessing. I, I kind of daydreamed this week, like, what, what was their, what, I would love to have heard their prayers after they left that city. Like, thank you, Lord, that you used that horrible beating and that dreadful night in that cell to bring about the salvation of a whole family. Thank you for letting us be a part of that miracle. Thank you that you used us to be a blessing to that man and his family. Thank you that that man didn't kill himself. You know, this week I received a call from a lady who um, has done work for us in, our, um, in, our, in one of our businesses, in the, in the leather business, um, in the past. And she's done sort of piece work for us here and there where we've had extra work and needed help. And she phoned me to tell me that um, since COVID started, the people where she's been working for five years haven't paid her and haven't phoned to check if she's even got food. And I was so gutted to hear that and so um, burdened with her pain and I, I said, I, I, I can't help you with a job. I don't have work for you. I don't even have work right now. But I can pray with you, and I can bring you food. So we prayed. We prayed for God to intervene in a way that only he can intervene. And I got off the phone from her. We made a plan to meet later that afternoon to, so I could give her food. And within 45 minutes, one of the moms on my daughter's class group, WhatsApp group, messaged to say, sorry to use this platform like this, but we're desperate for someone to help us. Uh, we need to employ someone in our home um, immediately. We're not coping with the load. <laughs> so I phoned her straight away and I said, look, there's a lady who I know and can vouch for and, um, and she's available immediately. By the time I met this lady at four o'clock to give her food, she had secured the job to start on Monday with this other lady. And she sat in the car and she wept, just sharing her pain over being at a loss for how to provide. She's got a whole family in Zimbabwe. Um, how is she gonna send, they were crying, they were phoning her and saying, you haven't sent money home. And she said, I can't send money home. I don't have money to send. She made a plan to borrow some money for her rent. 
and she was hurting because she said, after five years of working for this family, they haven't even phoned to check that I've got food. And I wept with her, and she told me that a few days before she called me, she had a dream where she was in a pit, and she was um, scared and afraid, and she started to cry in her dream and say, help me, God, help me. And he came and he lifted her up out of the pit. And she said when she woke up, she said, I know God's going to come through for me this week. I know something's going to happen. And I just, we laughed and cried. And I said, I'm so happy that you phoned me. And I'm so happy that I was able to be a part of, of seeing the situation change for you. And, um, and I share that story not to to draw any attention to anything other than what God wants to do with our lives and use us to do, to be a blessing. Um, resentment can't grow in the garden of gratitude. <laughs> there's no mine, there's no me, and there's no self-made in gratitude because gratitude goes, <laughs> all of life is a gift. And I love in, in Luke 15, it's this account of the prodigal son, where we meet this older brother and we meet this, this doting father who is so thrilled to have his reckless, irresponsible son home again after he was lost and estranged from the family. This doting daddy throws a party to celebrate his son's return. And the older brother is so resentful of his brother's return and his father's extravagant response to the son coming home after he squandered his father's money, he's clocked up a bad reputation. And so the older brother boycotts the celebration, and despite the father's plea that he comes in, he just can't enter in. I'll read from verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and when he returned and approached the house, he heard the music and the singing and the dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and began asking, what is the celebration about? And he said to him, your brother's come home. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has been received back safe and sound. But the elder brother became angry and deeply resentful and was not willing to go in. And the father came out begging and pleading with him. But he said to his father, look at all the years I've served you. And I've never neglected or disobeyed your command. Yet you have never so much as given me a young goat for me to celebrate with my friends. But when this other son of yours arrives who has devoured your estate with a moral woman, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. <laughs> it's scandalous grace. The father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to rejoice and to celebrate, for this brother of yours was as good as dead, and he's begun to live. He was lost, and he has been found. There's always a choice between resentment and gratitude, because God appears in our darkness, urges us to come home, and with his voice, filled with love and affection, he says, you are with me always, and all I have is yours. So I want to encourage you today to start now, to speak out what you are grateful for, to give thanks, to be found with this overflowing, overwhelming thanks in your life and in your heart, that you would go about your day noticing, looking for that which is around you and giving thanks for it. And in those, those hours, those build-ups to midnight, when it's hard and when it's sore and when it's confusing, thank God for what he's doing.
for his unending commitment to you, that he's always with you and that all that he has is yours. You know what else um, actually grows in the garden of gratitude? is generosity. Hebrews says, let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name and don't neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased. It's a, it's a hands out, um, hands open, and that's how we share and that's how we receive too. So for me, the picture is in Thanksgiving, we are so grateful and there it's easy to give. But when we are fearful and um, not grateful, we hold and we can't share. And I just want to celebrate for a moment the generosity of this community that we have witnessed over this season. You have continued to um, contribute and tithe and give generously in whatever way that you can give. And because of the resources available, we've been able to feed families and we've been able to feed many people and provide for many people who have been at a severe loss in this time. You have rocked up and visited with crunchies and cookies. You've dropped herbs um, and things out of your garden uh, with each other. And I hear all over our community this one dropped food for me. This one dropped this. This one did this. It's, there's been an overflowing of your kindness and your generosity and the outworking of Jesus inside of you. Brene Brown says this beautiful thing about the connection between joyful hearts and grateful hearts. That it's um, grateful hearts that are joyful and not joyful hearts that are grateful. <laughs> that actually it's in the practice of gratitude, that joy erupts, and not when we happy and good things happen and are joyful, that gratitude erupts. So I'm done for today. Um, we love you, and um, pray that you stay overwhelmed by the goodness of God with a heart full of gratitude. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za.